Hello and welcome back to the Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and I am joined by Mike and Dave this week, but they will be coming in just shortly. Um, we had a problem with the podcast. Um, there was a relentless, annoying buzzing sound, and yes, I know the jokes will be that it was Dave, but um, it covered the entire first segment, well, except for a last little bit at the end. So what we've done is we've cut that first segment, um, which still leaves you with our review of the game itself, but it also and the England's tournament. I'm sorry, Italy fans, we don't really get to you, but... Then again, it it was hard enough just talking about England, let alone the people who beat us. Um, the first segment in its entirety was all about the horrific racist incidents that we saw in the aftermath of the final, particularly um, the comments that were directed to Saka, Rashford and um, Sancho. Um, and it was sort of... <laughs> me, Mike and Dave's just... Uh, it, it, how disgusted we were and how angry and how sad we were... Um, but to be honest, if if you if you want to hear discussion about that, we're a podcast of three white guys who've never experienced this and can only give you can only just reiterate our sadness. And this is a, a conversation that has to be led by has to be led by black voices. And I would encourage you to go and listen to um, a podcast or go read something by one of the numerously talented, way more talented than we are, and just with actual viewpoints on this that aren't that are nuanced and I say nuanced but they they have the understanding built into them because these are the things that they deal with on a daily basis and it's really important that you go and listen to them rather than coming to listen to us but you're here so if you want to actually just hear about the football we're here to do that for you but um yeah I, I don't really know what to tell you guys because the there is a real problem with English football fans. There is a real problem with society in general, and it's it's going to be a conversation that we keep having. And uh, it, it's just it's just so sad. But that will do this little intro monologue weird thing. Um, uh, the Dave nickname this week was um, again the Mosley Marauder. Um, but to be honest, uh, it was just a lot of tears. I think it was was that the rev was that the line? I can't really remember the line. I think it was something about tears for fears. But anyway, you haven't missed much by missing this first segment because, as you can imagine by this rambling monologue, it was pretty similar to that. Just a load of waffle, um, kind of like a normal podcast. But without further ado, here's the pod, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Moving it away from racism over to football and just the characters that scored, but. Let's move away now and let's actually talk about the game itself. Um, England's first final in 55 years, a momentous occasion. Did you enjoy it? Obviously, you didn't enjoy the result, but did you enjoy it? Uh, It felt exciting, but also probably one of the most nerve-wracking games that I've ever watched, (laughs) I'll be honest. Just like, um, I'm, I'm honestly, like in our lifetime, we've never watched an England game where there's that much at stake before. We've never been in a final in our lifetime. So it was so exciting to see us actually up for a chance of winning something. But at the same time, it was like a overwhelming like nervousness of, you know, this is it. This this is the game that decides everything that, that's led up to this. So it was a bit of a mixed bag, really, personally. But obviously it was great to see us in a final. Yeah, amazing to have a goal to celebrate. Uh, particularly so early on, kind of settled me down for a little bit, uh, and then 
pans back to Gary Neville, uh, Gary Lineker in the studio and he says, if, if you don't watch football that much, it's not going to be this easy for the rest of the game. And it obviously wasn't going to be. And Italy was so much better, better second half. I've got their goal. I was a bag of nerves. I was nervous, drinking, eating. I couldn't stop moving. I was fidgeting all over the place. Horrendous. And those penalties, my word. I, I did not enjoy that one bit. No. I, uh, I had a, I had a real, I, I felt like the entire day, I felt like, um, I suppose, day, you were both, I felt similar to how I felt f- like about a month ago when we were playing the Champions League, except worse. I was like, how is this possible? Because I've said before, I've said before that I'm a bigger Chelsea fan than I am an England fan. Probably for a lot of the reasons we spent the first part of the podcast discussing. Although it is weird to equate Chelsea with Leicester, but there we are. Um, but I just I woke up. I woke up and I was just like, shit. And then I spent the middle of the day trying to forget about it. And then I was about got to about five o'clock and I went for a walk. And I'm just walking around and I'm like, oh, I just I'm terrified. And then I texted you and I said, I texted you two and I'm like, I'm terrified. And then I'd say, I was texting you before the game had started saying, I'm fucking bricking it about penalties. If we get the penalties, I don't know what to do. And the game was like, I couldn't enjoy it. Even, like, I enjoyed the goal, obviously, and there were parts of it I cheered and loved. But I just couldn't enjoy it. It was just an absolutely horrific experience in terms of nerves. And I, and I was saying to my brother, I don't think there's any way you can watch your team in a final and absolutely enjoy it unless you're like, battering them like unless you're, unless you're three up in 20 minutes. yeah <laughs> and even then even then if you're three up in 20 minutes you think well we better not concede one <laughs> yeah because then then the, it could get interesting yeah yeah um, i mean i i actually i don't we obviously haven't got a neutral opinion we're all, we're all england fans but i wanted to, i was wondering if it was actually not that good a game and but because we were so invested we couldn't see it but i didn't i'm not sure it was actually that good a game well I don't know if you guys have an opinion on it well I, judging by the reactions of some of the people on twitter is that firstly it was better than the last euros final which i think it only had to turn up to be better than that but i i think there was the idea there was a lot of drama i mean there wasn't tons of chances clear-cut chances yeah um i th- uh, it was just it was just pretty interesting but the game itself, so let's start with obviously the, the early goal. Um wing back to wing back, Dave, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was Do you want me to go, Will? Dave, you here? Okay, this is a heavily, this is a heavy, heavily edited one. I think. Um, yeah, do, do you want to ask me? <laughs> yeah, same yeah, question. Yeah. Um, oh fuck, I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, wing back to wing back. Uh, so yeah, but obviously scored early, first goal. Um, what did you make of the goal? Wing back to wing back. Trippy crosses to Shaw for a nice finish. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've probably heard in the intro my opinion on the finish, so that's great fun. But, um, Six pod. <laughs> You could you could see it opening up on that right side. Uh, I think it was Kane who got it, sprayed it out there. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, the first half an hour or so, England were getting in a lot, particularly down that right hand side. Trippier had a lot, a couple of other crosses as well. Yeah. This one, I don't know if it was too short or if it was meant for 
whoever's in the middle, but a bit longer, and Shaw's just steaming in. I thought it was. I thought they'd worked on it because it reminded me yeah. of a chance that Italy conceded in the Belgium game, pretty late to um who I think it was Thorgan Hazard on the inside. So I walked wondered if they'd worked on it. Okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I wasn't sure, uh, but if they'd worked on it, even better because the plan worked. Um, and yeah, for the first half an hour or so, the system was getting both wing backs in in quite a lot of room. Yeah. Um, down either side. And then <clears throat> Mancini obviously managed to change that. But great to get an early goal. Although, as you say, or I don't know if you said it while we were recording or not, but uh, probably a bit too early, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it happened against uh, Croatia in the World Cup as well. We scored an earlyish one. And then. Uh, the game plans are totally out of the window from there, aren't they, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally changes things after, well, 90 seconds or so. He's just... Uh, there were there were a lot of similarities with the Croatia game after we've, we've spent a lot of the tournament saying that Southgate's got better at his in-game management. Um, Dave, the... This is this is going to be one of those really weird questions, so try and stick with me. Okay. Um, Scoring early, not mm-hmm. always a great thing, is it? No. Early, particularly in a final. No, I, I I don't think so, because if you score that early, it's sort of great at face value that, you're, that you've got the lead, and obviously you've got the lead so early. But at the same time, that then potentially throws your own game plan out the window, because if you're 1-0 up, suddenly right from the off, you have like lead to protect straight away um so then you're left with the sort of dilemma of do we play how we intended to at nil nil and hope that either we score more goals or we don't concede or do we just try and sharp shop straight away and just basically play to try not to concede um and yeah especially in a final that's even harder uh, just and especially, you know, you're playing a team like Italy of such quality as well. It's sort of like you've grabbed the lead. You can't, you can't just presume that more goals are going to follow. So it's more like you try and protect the lead and add to the lead. Yeah, Italy to me looked like a team that, even though we scored after two minutes, they they knew they were going to score at some point. They were, yeah. They never looked all that flustered, I didn't think. They weathered a bit of a storm first 15 or so, changed their system to stop the Trippi and, and uh, Shaw getting in as much room. And then they they just seemed like, obviously they've been on this long unbeaten run. <clears throat> and it kind of, I felt like it showed in that, in that game. They just knew that they were going to get back into it at some point. Well, I think they were. I think they were helped to get back into it. To be honest, I mean, I know Verratti dropped his position in about ten feet, which ten off ten feet, ten yards, about <laughs> ten yards to um, sort of dictate the play a bit better. But it, it was death by a thousand cuts in many ways. Um, but see, so watch the game plan, particularly in the first half for England, it was actually quite good, wasn't it? That this idea that they were going to, they weren't giving up any space in the middle. Um, they were forcing everything wide. Walker and Trippier were excellent. Um, you had Mount covering the extra one on the right um, as well. And you would just had Declan Rice and Phillips patrolling the middle. And yeah. Jorginho hardly had a sniff. 
Yeah, so. yeah. They had um well, to be fair, Jorginho's barely played Premier League midfielders. Like and this is the thing with this whole tournament, and this is the thing with international football is you get way more time and space on the ball than you ever would expect to in a Premier League game. Which is why you sort of looked at this game and you thought to yourself, hold on a minute, England could get about them here because they're a team essentially of Premier League players. And that sounds like Premier League exceptionalism, but there's no denying that they are. It, even if it's That's not the highest. Yeah, even if it's not the most technically gifted league in the world, or even the best league in the world, if you want to pretend it's not, um, they are more fitter than anyone else. And that's just how it is. Um, that said, Mike, it's incredibly exhausting to both physically and mentally to play that way for a full 90. Um, what it is was given over control of the game that early the biggest reason why they lost? Do you think? Uh, I think possibly. I, I, I mean, it goes to penalties. That's a bit of a lottery, but Italy probably have the advantage when it goes to penalties, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you, you don't want it to get there. It's hard. I think, I, I think at 1-0, you're always going to end up sitting back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of natural. It's really hard to open up against like a team like Italy and just go for it a little bit. Um, I think that was always going to happen. I do think they went a bit early on that uh, and only lasted about 10 minutes of the second half while they were really camped on the edge of the box. <laughs> yeah. I think the bench potentially could have been used a bit better, but I don't want to be too harsh on Southgate because I think yeah, he's been... I- I will be. Yeah, that's fine. You can be. I'm gonna... <laughs> I, I'll just... I'd like to try and trust him as much as I can, but I think you could have used some subs a bit earlier. Italy did, and that, I think, did make a difference, taking Immobile off for Bellotti. Changed the dynamic for them a little bit up front. And yeah, it just felt like they were going to score somehow. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we'd have. We wouldn't have lasted a whole a whole half doing that. No chance. No, I mean, to me, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about Southgate and wanting to back him for his play through a tournament. He's been proven right at every turn, actually. To be honest, um, that said, I, I thought he. I didn't think he had a good game yesterday. I thought he was. I, th- I didn't think he reacted quick enough. But the one thing I did want to ask you, Dave, is me and you had quite the discussion in the in and around group chat, which is as, quite often full of me and you arguing with each other, <laughs> as Mike is will test to. Um, we argued where I was saying that I, I, that I think that in tournament football you've got to be a bit more conservative. Um, and you mm-hmm. said you'd, you'd like to have seen a bit more of a thrust from Southgate and his men. Um, was yesterday the worst part of Gareth Southgate's management and his tendencies to lean more cautious? Was that the worst part of that, coming through on the biggest stage? It's hard to tell, isn't it, really? Because if I'm honest, as much as we we sometimes say we want teams to be more on the front foot it's all very idealistic and it doesn't actually in terms of like a viewing fan point of view it's obviously great but in terms of tactically and how modern football is it's not actually massively realistic from players in the tactical side but I mean if you see I'd, I'd say yes if 
we lost this game like 1-0 and we just never really attacked. But obviously scoring after two minutes really changes the dynamic of the game. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough one because obviously 1-0 goes to 1-1. Maybe you would have wanted him to get them going more attacking once we once Italy equalised. But then, obviously, if it goes wrong and we lose 2-1, it's, it's a gamble gone wrong. So, I mean, you could argue either way that Southgate maybe could have gambled. But at the same time, you won it up in the Euros final. You can't... Yeah, why would he... Yeah, it's, a, it, it's, it's honestly tough. I can't really expect him to throw... The kitchen sink at it when it's probably probably would have gone wrong. And like I, I say, it's idealistic anyway for me to want a free flowing attacking team all the time. It's we just, played. It's just we, not realistic. We played for penalties from the sixty eighth minute. Yeah, I mean, again, I did get that. I, I, I did get that vibe, but at the same time, well, if he takes a gamble and we lose 2-1, people are angry. I do feel, however, an extra time at South is where I would have wanted us to... If he gets to extra time, then at that point, surely you'd rather try and avoid penalties. But I'd, so, like you say, it did seem clear that they were sort of hoping to get to penalties. It did feel like at times. So I'm going to preface this by saying, obviously... Of course, they know way more about management than all of us and everyone we ever have met. That said, it was clear as day to all of us that they'd lost control of the game. And they lost control of the game in field. And he persisted. And it, it, it was weird. It was, we couldn't we, get on we, the ball for quite we, some time. We couldn't get on the ball. Yeah. And we, we, so. talked, we talked about this. We talked about this this idea that when you've got three four three, the, the space in between you can't give up the. The reason why Conte's Chelsea always used to lose to Arsene Wenger, for example, was because Arsene Wenger would flood the midfield with players and they could never get it back. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Like we're asking, you're asking Rice and Phillips to do the job of two men, and then when they finally drop Mount back into the number ten role, he brought on Saka. And I don't want to lump, I don't want to lump on Saka, but Saka was the most. And Saka's had a good tournament, so putting my hands up here, this is going to sound like I'm criticising Saka. It's not I'm criticising Saka. But Saka's the most conservative attacking player he could bring on. He he was going to do... Ex- he was, what was the problem? We had, a clogged mid- we had a clogged central midfield because we had Harry Kane wanting to play the number 10. We had Mason Mount wanting to play the number 10. We had Raheem Sterling coming in. We weren't letting the fullbacks bomb on. And we were adding Saka to that. It needed to be someone with natural width or it needed to be greenish. It needed to be a brave substitution. Someone who was going to carry the ball and get a bit of pressure off us. And it, it just wasn't brave. Or it needed to go completely the other way. John Henderson on for Mason Mount. Play three five twos. Shut up shop. Let nothing happen. And that's how you you get boring, but that's how you do it. It just felt like a bit of a, a nothing world. And then to, and this isn't again because they, this isn't because they missed, but if Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, the only thoughts you have to bring in them on in a game is in the 119th minute for penalties. That's a, that's not good. If you, if you need a goal or you need a bit of manic, magic you've got Jane Sancho is one of the most productive players in European football over the last three years like behind like he's in the same category of like numbers wise of like 
just under Messi and things like that. And he's sat on the bench for Bukayo Saka, who's a brilliant player and will be a brilliant player for years to come. But he's not as good as Sancho is, is he? It's just, his whole, the whole... The whole attitude towards substitutions throughout the tournament was baffling. And it was baffling in this game as well. And I really do think it cost them a chance to beat an Italy team who are good. But Italy team, an Italy team who, squad for squad, are not better than England. They were playing Jorginho. I said it pre-tournament. We should, we should be a bit more upbeat about our chances. But it's a good squad we've got. Yeah, and yeah, I am a bit stunned at the use of, particularly Sancho in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, and and the substitutions, you're right as well, have baffled me a little bit. Obviously, in other games, it's come off. It, it didn't in this game, <laughs> uh, the biggest game of them all. So, I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. One one last sort of negative look at England. And then I want to talk about some of the positives from this tournament for England. Because there have been many, um, particularly player-wise. I want to talk about Harry Kane. And I want to talk about the use of Harry Kane. And I want to talk about how I think a braver manager has Harry Kane off after 65 minutes here. Is that just me? No, 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 I agree. I I don't remember him doing anything for about the 50th minute. Now, he's, I think he's, the people who back him will say that he didn't have the service after the 50th minute. But I don't know about you, Dave, if you're putting long balls up for him to chase, he just doesn't seem interested. No, he sort of, yeah, I sort of feel more that he wants the ball sort of into him rather than chasing. And I mean, that's fine when you're getting on the ball, but like you were saying, we, we couldn't get on the ball, so... I think, yeah, he. I, I think really for Southgate, Kane's sort of one of those players that he literally won't take off unless he's injured, basically. Um, I I would have liked to see him taken off. I mean, he would. Do you think Calvert Lewin would have? I know Calvert Lewin is used to chasing and stuff at Everton. Do you think he would have been able to to do that for England last night? Do you think? Or what, did you have someone else in mind that you changed the system around and, I don't know, maybe put, for example, Sterling through the middle and bring on Grealish and put him out wide? Just wondered what your actual thoughts were. If, if Kane was had gone off, what you would have liked to have seen? I, I think that would be the way to go. I, I think the second one. Well, Sterling through the middle, bring Grealish in on or Sancho left wing. Or you, they play... You've got to try and get down the sides of those Yeah. Three. That's what I certainly would have done when the game became. When you take into account the game state, like particularly when you've got, or particularly when, and maybe like you're looking at the 60th minute where you're essentially just you need someone who's gonna they're stepping up on you because they're they're not worried about Kane going in behind, for example. But if you've got Sterling up there, or you've got someone like uh, Rashford, someone with real pace, they're gonna have to think twice, aren't they? And all of a sudden, there you've got more territory because they're stepping back, and particularly in. And then that's doubled an extra time when both of them run a book in. I, I, I thought the fact that the fact that we didn't try and take advantage of the fact that both of them run a book in was criminal, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Not to take anything away from what was a very good Italy performance, but I, I've, it felt to me watching this that England lost this as much as Italy won it. Italy were 
Italy were good. But yeah. England. They were playing Jay. They played well for 45 minutes. They were playing Jay. That's not enough to win a, win a game of football, unfortunately, most of the time. J5 is going to win a blonde door now, Mike. No, he isn't. <laughs> that was, uh, you wake up on the morning, you see Copper America, when you see Messi's won it, you start cheering, you think, thank God. Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> and, uh, um, but while we're at it, Joel Linton was not on the on the Brazil squad, so it's no wonder they lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would have been a big help against Messi. Um, a couple of positives from an England front. Uh, I want to quickly talk about Jordan Pickford. Has had a tough season, tough couple of years to be honest. Me and you, Mike, didn't pick him when we did our oh our squads. Um, would you would you would you pick him again? Yep, I def- I would pick him. Yeah, I think he's. I think he has. He is England's number one now. I think he Southgate trusts him. I did not trust him. I still worry about him in key moments but he made some big saves in this game and actually looked a bit calmer than he did in the semi-final which which is a bit weird but, yeah. uh, but hey he's he's a big positive um and hopefully for Everton fans he can take this sort of form into his into his club form but he never seems quite as up for it for Everton as he does I'll tell you why Be- probably because he's been his his defenders in front of him and Michael Keane yeah that's fair and Jerry Mina by the way no wheels. Um, no wheels, Pickford, keeps. Pick, Pickford seems to have Jorginho's number a bit with those penalties. He's been cl- I don't know if he saved him, but I think he's been close in the Premier League a couple of times, and now he finally got one. I have never celebrated while also understanding that we were not going to do anything so hard. Like uh, part of me knew we were not we were not going to get back into it. But when he saved J5's penalty as he goes to roll it, I was like, yes, Jordan Pickford. What a moment that was. Um, Dave Pickford for you. England's number one for the foreseeable. Yeah, I think so. I mean, his performances in this tournament were fantastic. Got a golden glove. Um, I think his distribution, to be honest, is an asset to the way that Southgate wants to play. And I think, yeah, my doubts with Pickford have always been his actual like shot stopping and, and, and things, but he was fantastic this tournament. T Rex, that's why. <laughs> he saved two penalties in the penalty shootout. You can't ask any more than a, man, a, a goalkeeper to ever do that. So, and for what it's worth, for the actual goal that we conceded, it came after him making a brilliant save, turning the yeah. shot onto the post anyway. Yeah, it was a fantastic save, wasn't it? That yeah, one. It's true. Um, Him and Maguire, by the way, seem to really not get on. They are always yeah, shouting always shouting at each other. Honestly, it's which really I love. They, they they do not get on. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I I always see like Maguire makes any sort of mistake, and Pickford volleys him. Whereas if it's someone like Stones, he's noticeably not quite as angry. But maybe it's because Maguire gives it more than anyone. Else. I I think it's because Maguire just both barrels to everyone out there. I did actually want to talk about Harry Maguire because I said to my dad yesterday, I said, I've said, I've said that obviously Harry Maguire is a good player, but I'm not seeing why he's a, was it 60 million for Harry Maguire? Was it 80? Uh, Yeah, because, but he's really good. He's really good, Harry Maguire. 
really, he's, be- really he's better than Varane. There you are. I've said it. He just is. So enjoy that. Yeah, he's. I'm here. Yeah, he, he's. <clears throat> he's. The way he can. You get on everything. And yeah. Ball out. You. I think that's what you're about to say. Yeah, it's the. It, it's brilliant at it. He's him and John Stones. I think as as a pair, particularly when you consider how stodgy England's midfield is. I think back to the Scotland game where we really struggled getting the ball out because Ming's just good player, but he just doesn't have that. Um, but you just watch Harry Maguire yesterday. He just goes along. He goes on like the slowest runs you've ever seen, but no one could get near him because he's just yeah. this brick shit house who just somehow gets. Oh, I'm a big fan. I like Harry Maguire. Um, it's a shame I'm going to have to go back to disliking him, but uh, I do like him. It's a fantastic tournament. Um, Dave, yeah. what what England players impressed you the most at this tournament? Uh, as in one player or just players in general? I just want one player from you. Which one's impressed you the most? Ties into a start of the week. Oh, here we go. Mike giving the intro. It's Dave's start of the week. Well, obviously, you could go with the obvious of Sterling, but I'm sure one of you two will discuss him. I actually thought Kyle Walker was fantastic for the entire tournament. Um, <laughs> yes, Dave! Well, well, well. No, he I love it. 599 minutes, <laughs> right? in his hands. Which is 6.7 for 90 minutes. He committed only one foul and was dribbled past only once. She's- which is incredible when you consider he's never in the right position. <laughs> you just get to short at the back. There were so many times where <laughs> so many times where he saved us. Mike's head's gone. <laughs> this is like the time I told him that Julia Lorenzo's head switched on. He's just he's just few. Come on, Kyle yeah. Walker was fantastic. <laughs> well, um, Seth Fabregas said he was his player of the tournament. So is Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've never watched an England game with Mike, it's it's 90% shouting at Kyle Walker. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I actually thought Kyle Walker had a pretty good tournament. Yeah, he was there. He was there. <laughs> he was there. Um, Mike, pick a player. Oh, you give me one player. One player. I mean, if you don't pick Sterling, I will talk Sterling. All right, you can talk Sterling. I want to talk Calvin Phillips. That was my other one. Talk Calvin Phillips. But where he's come from under Bielsa, he is unbelievable. You know, he ran 15k the other night against Denmark. Was it Denmark? Yep. I've forgotten uh-huh. what has happened in this tournament. That He has a ridiculous engine. He puts himself about. He's pretty good on the ball. He's just like an 8 out of 10 at everything. And he, he's been brilliant this tournament. Absolutely brilliant. Him and Rice have obviously formed a really good partnership. Rice's legs starting to struggle in the last couple of games, but he's put a shift in as well. But yeah, he was quick on Declan Rice. He was magnificent yesterday. Yeah, again, again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- yeah, those two, I've re- really loved watching Calvin Phillips. And uh, yeah, what? A- <laughs> Honestly, I I he's a, he's a brilliant why. player. A lot of pundits had him in or almost in their England 11s. And now I'm like, wow, how yeah. did I not see this all season? This guy is, is brilliant. 
Yeah, I, I really like Calvin Phillips. I think him and... And he seems like a lovely bloke as well. Him and Rice's dovetailing has been, been superb for them. They really, they really, Them two have been really good. And I know, they were, like you said, Mike, a lot of talk. And I think if you were to go back and listen to the podcast, we said that we weren't particularly keen on Calvin Phillips in a I, team. I yeah. But he, because you used to watch, you watch him for Leeds and you're like, oh, he's a very good player. But how similar are him and, him and Rice? Are they going to work together? But the two of them have just... Work together in tandem really, really well. I, I think Declan. I think Calvin Phillips has to be a shoe in for me next year at the next year at the uh, World Cup. I just think he's mm-hmm. he's he's too good not to be. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, forced me to talk about the boy from Brent, eh? Raheem. What indeed. Fuck? Raheem Sterling's one of those players that I don't care. He runs a bit funny. I don't care that he doesn't strike the ball cleanly. I just, I find it. I don't think I've. I don't think I love a player like Raheem Sterling that doesn't play for my club. He's just. How can you not love Raheem Sterling? Like, you watch this bloke. He turns up at the tournament. Everyone, some prat of an interviewer goes. If you think you've justified your selection today after he scored, you're just sat there thinking. You thinking? Well, we'd have beaten these at the World Cup if Kane had squared it to me. Um, he just every time someone doubts him for England, he just performs. And this whole tournament, he was magnificent. The final was probably his weakest game, but that's because he'd carried the entire attacking output of England in every single game so far. I think in years to come, we'll talk. We'll probably talk about Raheem Sterling versus Denmark has been one of the all-time great England performances. Because yeah, he didn't score, but he was incredible in that game. He was everywhere, and he kept, he kept running from minute one to minute one twenty in that. Game. I was, was exhausted. Incredible. I was exhausted watching Raheem Sterling play. I'm sat there drinking a can of Pepsi. I was just like, I can't believe this. I'm gonna get heartburn just watching him. He was magnificent, and you thought he was like an 115th minute sub. If you'd flick that on, you'd have thought he'd come on like three minutes before. What a player! And you want to talk about you want to talk about a player who who represents everything about the Gareth Southgate's New England and what it is. It's Raheem Sterling, magnificent player. I'd play him. I'd play him for England until he no longer wants to play for England. Player of the tournament for me, but there we are. That, that's also who I'd have given it to, but UEFA gave it to Donnarumma. They did what? Yeah, Donnarumma got player of the tournament. Star of the tournament, sorry. I knew he got something. Yeah, so if you didn't know that, there's a little bombshell for you. Just a shocker. Yeah, he was named player of the tournament. I mean, he's good. That's That's all I've got there. Apparently going to be the number two at PSG next year, which is hilarious. Hold on, he, hold on, hold on. He, yeah, there weren't two penalty shootouts, right? So, but do you have to be on the winning team to win player of the tournament? I don't know if that. I am shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked too. Honestly, I, this is a, you're about to laugh at me. I, I think. From an Italy perspective, Chiesa or Jorginho, way more important. Chiesa was was there. Hey, Verratti was pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic in the midfield. I thought. I thought Verratti was okay. Oh, to be honest, 
I, I know it's I know it's a joke at this point. Uh, I honestly thought slightly dodgy challenge aside, yesterday was one of the best games I'd I'd seen Jorginho play, particularly from the forty five minutes on. Because you watch him, he t- he takes a knock and you think he's going to go off, and then he's still there in the hundred fifteenth minute intercepting things and setting them away. Card for you, by the way. No. New. I mean, the bigger question was, why hadn't he already got a yellow up to that point? But then again, the referee had been pulled over from the NFL yesterday, so who knows? Yeah, that was... <laughs> I was just spreading those fouls around, especially in that first half. It was hilarious. Uh, um, yeah, I don't. I know we wanted to get on to Italy, but I don't really want to talk about Italy. Like, brilliant team. You did good. Probably you did well. You did well. You want to listen to an Italy perspective and why it's actually a, a great thing that Bonucci, um, one of football's nice guys. Um, uh, no, it's not true at all. Absolute stinker of a bloke. Um, well, if you want to go listen to them, go listen to one of them Italian podcasts. But if you want, <laughs> if you want healing and sadness, you come to the other pod. We're always here. I don't quite know what to do. To be honest, this feels like a bit like the Lampard. This feels a bit like the Lampard episode, except the two of you are with me in my sadness. Yeah, I, I'm kind of lost now. Yeah, I mean, even I with the trying to work out what I wanted to say on this pod for the last day, and I, I, I don't even know what I've actually said. <laughs> even like um, this feels again. It feels a little. It's not like it's like the super. It's not like the super league one where we were sad but we were mainly angry. Where we could we could at least articulate. I just don't know what to. I just uh, okay. I'm just gonna say you did us proud, lads. We go again in 18 months. Hopefully yeah. with Southgate still at the helm. I hope yeah. so. We should have a we should have a decent chance for a good run again. Yes. Yeah. You know. I did, fair play to the lads. I know I've said it already, but who took the penalties, regardless of whether you missed or or scored. Yeah. Maguire's penalty, by the way. What incredible! Outrageous. Unbelievable. Um, and Kane actually coming back from, after he missed the penalty against Denmark to just bag that one. That was a really good penalty. Yeah. I mean, the run-up was the quickest I saw him run all game. <laughs> I've said it many a time. How you expect to win a trophy with a Tottenham player? Run. There we go. A bit of normality yeah, for you. Yeah, we should have known. We should have known. But it's okay, Mike, because um, obviously there's still time for the Tammy Abraham revenge tour. So we'll have him up front in Qatar. What when Spurs signed him? Well, no, he's going to be playing for the Chelsea because we're not going to get anyone. Um, right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was. Um, I hope we've helped. We probably haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just look look back to the last episode where it's all laugh and jokes and talking about history and yeah, we haven't seen a depression like this since the nineteen thirties. Um, yeah, I'll just one, one last one, one last one. Um, if you want to follow uh, Mike, where can they follow you, Mike? What a segue! Just don't bother. Stay off social media because it's a cesspit. Um, yeah, Dave. Dave, uh, yeah, it's um, at Dave Harris underscore 44. Yeah, you can follow me at World17, but please don't please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Pinterest. Um, you can find... Apparently has more YouTube than TikTok. 
It does. It today. does. As I was discovered today, it was delighted and telling. Oh, there were a lot of stats from me today. I was a bit of a statistician, Dave. I was taking you all wrong. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> um, you can uh, you can find more thoughts on us. Just stick your head out the window, listen to the wind, and if you hear Luke Shaw six one on the wind, you know that's us talking somewhere. Oh, ball on the shore. Oh, imagine if we'd won. Oh, if we oh, could have... I'd have been on... I'd have Correct. had shirts made. I'd have had shirts made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for podcast references for the future in your feeds, um, the next two weeks we are having off as we sort of get over the, the crushing loss and disappointment and try and ready ourselves to a new Premier League season, which starts in a month. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Football. It's like the Mitchell and Webb thing, isn't it? Football, 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 football all the time. Yeah. Football, all the time. Football. Um, but yeah, we you can't mess the football. <laughs> we will be back with a weird episode where we're going to talk about something weird. Actually, uh, we're not quite sure what it is yet, but it's going to be a bit more in the vein of some of our longer form ones, like um, the top fifteen Premier League players of all time. Except <laughs> this time, we won't have me <laughs> shouting at Mike about Vincent Company. Um, and then we'll be. Bef- one week before the season, we'll be back with predictions and our one to twenty, where you can, which Mike loves as always, and you can see how wrong we get it. Because let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, we had West Ham to finish seventeenth. <laughs> 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 me and Mike were sat there the other day trying to defend our picks, and we were like, "They made sense at the time." He's like, You've got Burnley seventh. <laughs> Mark Noble was calling out the the owners. Yeah, he was. How did they finish where they finished? David Moyes. That's, that's the man for the England job. David Moyes. <laughs> when Southgate's led us to the World Cup in 2021, and then he leaves, and then in no, 2022, and then he leaves, then he leaves, and then in 2026, we've got some someone who's terrible. I don't know. Dave, terrible managers. I don't even think of Eddie Howe. Um, then in 2026 on this podcast, I will talk you into why I think Sean Dyche has the potential in international management <laughs> to be. Sean oh, no. <laughs> just think, I just think, how good would it be? Like the post match after the like a, a friendly against Italy, like Mancini says to Sean Dyche, "You want to come and have a glass of red?" And he gets in there, and Sean Dyche just got a can of Bovril. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something really funny about it. Warm Carling. He's just no, it's just like uh, sure no, she looks at him, I've lined up the Agers. Yeah, this podcast is uh is derailed, so I'm gonna let everyone go. But uh thanks for joining us and um Oh Wazak of the Week is the racists. Should make yeah. that clear. And it's always they're always Wazak. But um until next yeah. time, uh See you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. See you in a couple of weeks.